Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Pneumius, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. Uh, before we start, I would like to remind everyone that if you enjoy these audios, you can uh, like them on Spotify, forward them to your friends, and of course support our work so we can keep them coming out, Be'ezus Hashem. In today's shiur, in today's podcast, we're going to explore a third of the Magid, uh, truly out of this world, very strong and powerful, and like always by the Magid of Mesrich, given over in seven lines, <laughs> um, and we'll try to explain it. I hope we'll have enough time to go into its depth. The third of the Magid is based on a posuk in Koyeles, in Sefer Koyeles, and I do recommend everyone who didn't yet read and learn Sefer Koyeles, they should. It's incredible advice for life. Um, and one of those psukim teaching us humility says, Al al picho, don't rush with your mouth. And your heart shouldn't hasten you into taking out words in front of Hashem, you don't rush to talk so fast, you know, you're in front of Hashem. Because the Ebishter is up in heaven, and you're down here on earth, so your words should be few, very few. Don't talk much. It's like basically saying, I think that the Pshat is like, you know, we sometimes speak with this chutzpah, we know everything about everything, and we, we can go into everybody's mind and understand their, their intentions and judge and define things. You're a little tiny creature, temporary creature who walks on this earth for a couple of decades and, and carries a three-pound brain and thinks that he can understand the whole universe and, and put the Ebishter in his pocket. No, you can't. So be humble and don't think you can, you know, like speak up and... You know, in front of Hashem, be more humble and don't speak so much. Recognize your tiny space in the universe, in front of the creator of the universe. That's a pshat. But then comes the Magid and explains it in a marvelous way, according to Chesides. I won't try to give it over. So the Magid says that we know that in Kabbalah it, it speaks about the four worlds, right? The Arba Oilomes. We speak about Atsilus, Bria, Yetzira, Sia, and they're basically four names for creation. They're emanation, creation, formation, action. They're four words to refer to Hashem making the world. So the Kabbalah explains that they're not just four synonyms of a verb, but, but instead they're four stages, they're four levels of the filter, the filters. Hashem's infinite light towards the world. So the way Hashem brings down His incredible power and energy into a viable hashpo for limited creatures is putting it through four different filters, veils. And so the light becomes lesser every time and that's the way it gets to us. And then we get a little tiny spark and we're super excited because that spark in this world looks like health, wealth, or whatever we need and ask Hashem. And we're happy because we got this spark, but the truth is that that's only a spark of godliness inside of the reality of the brocha you got. 
and that spark itself comes from a higher place that actually itself comes from a higher place that actually itself comes from a higher place and like that we understand the the seder the order of lowering Hashem's energy towards his world now it's known that in Chesides that Hashem made us to his image and semblance that's the expression were to the likeness of Hashem Betzelem Udmus Elohim also is Odom. And what is the Tselem and the Mus? The Tzazek in the Seder Ishtanselus, we have these levels. Also in our soul, we have these, level, these four levels. Because like these Arva Oilomes are basically Hashem's system of bringing down His energy into a practical creation. And the same thing happens in the relationship between our soul and our little, but still, creations. What we make, what we do in this world, the, it also goes through these four levels from our soul to reality. In, in, in the words of the Torah of the Magid, whoever wants to see it inside, it's in Oir Torah Shin Samach Beis, Remes Shin Samach Beis. Um, there are the four levels called Machshovo, Koil, Dibun, and Maise. Thought, voice, speech, and action. Basically, Machshovo Dibun and about adding a madrigo, they're in between, which is coil. Many times in chsides, coil is compared to mides, to feelings, to emotions. So first, you, the beginning of the process, when the soul wants to reveal itself through you, through your body, towards the world, it starts by bringing an idea that uh, the chokhmah, the eureka moment, the moment where you get this thought in your mind and and something is born there, a little spark of light. And then, once that idea is expanded and kind of developed, it starts going down into your feelings, into your coil. Now you start voicing that idea by attaching to it with your emotions. And then, the publicizing into the real world starts. Then you start talking about it. You share it with people. You write it in a book. You share it with someone. And, and through that, the idea comes into the reality of the world. And then it goes further down into already action. When you process the idea, then connect to it the right way. You share it with the world. And then you put it down to practice, to, practice, to real life, to action. That's a full process of, say, the Ishtansilus between your nefesh and the reality of the world. In other words, says the Magid, that the reason why Hashem made his, say, the Ishtansilus match, or, or our, say, the Ishtansilus, so to speak, match his, is because the idea is to eventually manage to become like a sleeve to his arm. And I'll explain what I mean by this. Just like your sleeve moves in the direction of the arm, the example, the word Chassidus uses for this is Merkava, just like a chariot, a carriage, goes the way the driver wants, the same way, you know, your sleeve moves the way your arm goes. And that should be our intention and our focus, our goal, to make our speech be the clothing, the garment of Hashem's speech, and our thoughts be the, the expressions of Hashem's thoughts. In the words of Chesides, that is called, and that Rebbe uses this a lot in, in his Maimorim, 
להלביש מחשובה ומחשובה ודיבול ודיבול. ליחד, to, to unify and then include his דיבור into your דיבור, his מחשובה into your מחשובה. In very simple terms, what this means is pretty simple. Um, what is the Torah? Hashem talking to us, right? Perfect. So it says, Bolchat Hashem noise in a Torah. Hashem gives us the Torah uh, constantly, every moment. Okay, fine. So may I ask, where is Hashem giving the Torah now? Because I would like to hear it. We always say, I wish I was in Matan Torah. Like we were, but with the Neshama, I wish I could remember with my uh, memory, my human mind, um, the Aseres Adibres. How does Hashem's voice sound like when He gives us the Torah, if He's giving it now? Well, the answer is with you learning it. When Aed in this world opens a safer and learns Torah, the Avistar is giving the Torah. Very simply put, imagine if we all decide, Chaz Shalom that no Jew ever in the whole world learns one more word of Torah, It's finished. There is no more trade in the world. Hashem doesn't talk to the world anymore to the extent that in a hundred years after a generation and a half, no one will even remember the language or anything it said in there. It will be probably a book in some museum, which means Hashem stops speaking if you stop speaking. And the same thing with Hashem's intentions and kavones and machshoves and feelings and emotions, whichever madrego of Of course, Hashem is not limited. He's not a human being with thoughts and emotions. But in whichever madrego felokus that we're trying to reveal in the world, it goes through the person. You are the kli that shines Hashem's light onto the world. Remember the story with Eliyahu Anovi? You are Eliyahu Anovi if you do the right thing and you let the schus pass through you. Ah, but how can we achieve such high madrego? Asks the Alter Rebbe. Many times in how can you even dare to say that I will be Hashem's speech and I, my thought will be uh, the expression of Hashem's thought. I will be the Ibister's flashlight to the world. That's actually what the Neshama is. The candle of Hashem is the Neshama of the person. Right, but if you leave your Neshama fully covered with all kinds of clippers and garbage, then it won't shine anything. But... If you let it be, your Neshama will be able to express and shine, and that will be Hashem revealing His light onto the world through you. How can you achieve such madrega? asks the Alter Rebbe. He even sustains the question with, uh, with a Pasuk. Ishayahu says, My thought process is not your thought process. Guys, don't compare yourselves to me. He's Hashem up in heaven, and you're a little human being down on earth. So what are you comparing yourself with Hashem for? How dare you? Says Al-Turebe, you know why? You know how or, or why normally you think we, can, we can't and why I'm telling you you could? Because the answer to that question is at the end of the same Pasuk. The very Pasuk in Ishayahu says, Your thoughts are not like my thoughts. Your paths are not like my path. Says Al-Turebe, the last part of the Pasuk is a condition on the first. You know when your th- my thoughts are not like your thoughts? Your thoughts are not like mine? When your paths are not like mine. But if your path is like mine, then your voice and your thought, your thought is like mine too. What does it mean your path is like mine? Simply, like we said before, if you're learning Torah, then your speech is his speech. If you're doing a mitzvah, then your, your mitzvah is his commandment. You're expressing his union in the world. Just like we say in Davening, we say in Davening of Rosh Hashanah, we say, 
לאודם מערכי לב ומהשם מיין אלושן. A man can calculate and prepare for a meeting, for a class, for a conference, for a, uh, whatever it is. And you prepare exactly what you're going to say, or for a podcast. And you prepare exactly what you're going to say, and you think about it, and you write it, and you try to understand it, and connect, and digest it, and then <gasps> the moment comes, and something else altogether comes out. Sometimes much better, sometimes much worse. Why? Because a man can have a, a whole planification in his heart. But... From Hashem comes the expression of the mouth, of the tongue. And then he continues and says, Hashem's Hashem open up my lips, and my mouth will say your praise. Again comes Alter Eben translates, what does it mean my mouth will say your praise? Not that my mouth will speak words that are a praise for you. No, my mouth will say your praise so whatever Hashem is praising whatever Hashem is saying and expressing the praise of Hashem is the light of Hashem being revealed the koyach the chayus the influence the positivity the elokus the inspiration the toiro the right values the right morals whatever Hashem wants to make the world better with because the, the word praise in Hebrew also means bettering hashvocho is to make something better That's to praise the thing, which means to make it more praiseable. I don't know if that's any, the way you say in English. Um, that's Hashem influencing the world. And if Hashem opens up your lips, then, then your, your word, your mouth, will be speaking Hashem's praise. How? When Darchechem Drochoi. When you nullify yourself, that's the whole meaning of Bitul. When you align yourself with the Avishter, so much and so deeply that you will be expressing Elokus with your life. Like we say in Davening, I will literally, you would translate this, I will praise Hashem during my life. That base could be translated in many ways. But the literal, the most literal is Azamro, Leloikai Bechayai, Lashem Bechayai means I will praise, I will sing to Hashem with my life, through my life. When you're connected to Hashem with this Bitul, and we'll explain soon what the Bitul is, we mentioned it a couple of times, we'll review it now, then your entire life is a song to Hashem. Not only when you open the Sefer and you read from pages 3 to 86. We mentioned once the, the concept of the famous Chazal saying that from heaven they, they sent to the world goodness through the good and badness through the bad. If you're meritory, you'll give merit to others. Well, simply, if I want to send someone flowers, I'll, I'll, I'll do it through a flower store. <laughs> and if I want to send someone something else, I'll do it through a, a store that sells, sells something else. So Hashem uses, so to speak, the good people to give good to the world and the negative people to bring negativity to the world. Very tough, very realistic, and very strong saying. Bachsiz has an incredible interpretation on this. Schus doesn't just mean merit. It comes from the world zakus. Zakut means refinement. Like shemen zait zach. Very pure, extra virgin. Purified, only oil and nothing else. When you're very pure and very transparent, when you have no self-interest, 
when you elevate yourself a little above the typical animal fighting for resources and like, haha, I got a better this and you got a better that. When you elevate yourself beyond the limitations of the being, you're zakai, then you're meritory, which means you're refined, you're pure. And when the lens is pure, the light passes through. And then you'll be giving schus to everyone. Then you'll be speaking and it will be Hashem's speech. You'll be saying something to a friend and that's exactly the word he needed to say, to hear. This is where we fit all the stories from all those tzaddikim that, you know, like, and, and he sent them to a place and then he didn't know what he had to do there. And then he finds a Jew that exactly that moment he prayed to Hashem, please send me a sign, otherwise, uh, whatever, something bad will happen. And, and, and Hashem sent you exactly at that moment. Being at the right moment, at the right place. Mazel is Rosh Mokim Zman Loshoin. Space, time, expression, language. If you say the right thing at the right moment, at the right place, you're in luck. That's a translation of Mazel. That's the definition of Mazel. And the true godly Mazel is to be there everywhere where Hashem wants you to be. If you're connected in this way, you'll see, you'll start hearing people say, to you all the time oh my gosh exactly that's exactly what how did you know I needed to hear that how did you know that punk today I needed that money of tzedakah you gave me how did, like it's always perfectly in the spot because it's Hashem giving it so of course it's perfect you're just the flashlight of Hashem passing it through and that's his lavshus machshova machshova and divur bedivur that's including Hashem's Speech in your speech, Hashem's thought in your thought, expressing the elokus of the world through the levush of your reality. And now we can understand why it says, it says the Magido message, we go back to the original Pasuk, and it says, Hashem is up in heaven and you are down here on earth, so keep your words very few, keep your words at, at bay, limited. Says the Magidon message like this, please listen, this is incredible. If you really think that Hashem is only up in heaven and you're the one down here on earth, if there is a mechitza between the Elamav and the Elamazeh, if there is a separation between Elokus and you, if the arm is in some place and the sleeve is in another, then of course you should keep your words to, to a very low limit. You know what, don't even speak. Actually, that's why animals don't speak. Why? Because what are they going to say? Oh, the banana is too high on the tree. One gorilla says to the other. What, what, what is the point of their communication? Or in e-animal language, we are in intelligent animals, right? So we're e-animals. It's like, oh, the interest rate of the Federal Reserve is lower. So the inflation is uh, climbing. It's the same thing. It's gorillas speaking about high banana. Hard to get banana. For real, if you're going to be so separated between Gashmius and Ruchnius, then Mimonafshoch. If you're going to talk only about Ruchnius and you care only about, I don't know, spirituality and Malochim, go to heaven. And if you only care about banana and whatever, go to the, I don't know, go to the jungle with the monkeys. If you claim to be Bechira Nibroim, the chosen of all creatures, the bridge between Hashem and creation, you got to dare to become like that and to act in such way. You have to actually refine yourself, clean yourself from the 
limited, selfish position that supposedly the evolution of the Gashmius has set you in and show the world that you're not a product of evolution, that you're not just an animal developing and trying to become smarter at selfishness. Show the world that you actually have an Ishama, that you're able to transcend that limitation of the self, that you can actually be the expression of Hashem in the world. And that's what it says, if you're separated, then your words don't have so much meaning. But if your words are the words of Hashem, then of course you should talk. The example the Magid gives for this is the famous Maimar Azal that says that an Amoret shouldn't eat meat during the weekdays. Only on Shabbos, an exception because it's Shabbos. But if you're an Amoret, not a Tamid Chacham, you should be vegetarian. Um, wait, what does that mean? It sounds like uh, the Chachomim are being uh, elitists, like, uh, or if you belong to the high elite of the knowledgeable guys, you know, you're Tamid Chochem, then we can have steak every day. They were Argentinians, the Chachomim. <laughs> and if, but if you're an Amoret, uh-uh, you eat the macaroni with ketchup. What does that even mean? So the beer is like this. The whole point of the, uh, the food chain, the only reason why the Torah allows, so to speak, or justifies the food chain that the, the, the stronger eats the, the, the weaker, like why the plant eats from the ground and the animal eats from the plant and we eat from all three. It's because each one, by being consumed by the next level, is becoming more elevated and closer to Ruchnius and closer to the Creator. Because doimem tzoimeach chaim mineral, vegetable, animal, and human, there are the four levels, just like the four worlds we spoke in the beginning, Asiyo, and then Yetziro, Bria, and Atzilus, and each one represents a higher expression of Elokus in the world. In a rock, you barely see any expression of Hashem, just the fact that it exists. Probably there is a creator that made that mountain. And then in a plant, you see much more Gilui of Hashem. It's a whole living creature. It grows, it develops, it does photosynthesis, and it knows how to take nutrients and how to protect itself from the cold and from the heat and this and that. It's an incredible creature if you learn biology, if you understand how a plant works. So you see Chayus, you see a locus in it. An animal, oh, much more. And a human, uncomparable, incredible, intelligence, etc. And now, Nu, what continues? What goes after? So, in some places in Kabbalah, it's brought that the food cycle goes like from the soil to the plant, from plant to animal, from animal to human, and from human back to the soil. And after 120, we feed the ground with nutrients once again. That's a shot of the matter. But according to Chsides, the line is not just a cycle that goes around. You could break the cycle and you could turn it into a straight line. And then he continues going up from Daimon to Tzemeach, to Chai to Medaver, to Ruchnius, to spirituality. When you, the person, takes, you eat the meat, and you're not just another animal, just like the cow, but in a different shape. When you're much higher than the cow, then you can eat it, because by eating it, you're elevating it, you're turning it into a, a higher thing, because you're keeping, like, you know, like those games that you pass the candle and you have to keep on going, you pass the torch and you run another hundred meters. So if you're taking the torch of Elokus and bringing it, uh, of humanity, of creation, and bringing it one step closer to the Eivishter, then you're advancing. Then you're doing an amazing thing. Then 
you are allowed to and you are entitled to feel authority over those lower levels because by absorbing them and taking them higher you're becoming the bridge between the oilam and elokus but what if you don't what if you're not that's what oh by the way that's what they call tamid chachomim not just a robot who can repeat a hundred aloches valpe a tamid chachom is a refined person a zakai person someone who has this schus and zakus in his neshama then of course you can take the world to the next step but if you're not that don't eat the poor thing what, with what are you better than it? How are you going to elevate it otherwise? Now, now that we understand this, the connection between Gashmius and Ruchnius, where the Seder Ishtalselus of the godly light invests and includes itself through and inside of the Seder Ishtalselus of your soul, and your being becomes a bitul and a zakus, a refinement to the extent that you literally express elokus in the world with every machshaba, koil, divun, and maizu of yours. Now you're not anymore in, in the statement of elokim b'shamayim be'atal ha'aretz. There's no more he's up there, you're down here. Uh-uh. We're together. Up and down and together. And that's the whole point of chesidus. And this brings us to the most incredible story of how the Magid and the Baal Shem Tov met when the Magid went to the Baal Shem Tov for the first time. It's such strong word that few people know the story and even fewer understand the, the, the meaning of it. So we'll try, we'll try to interpret it here according to this story of the Magid. Years earlier, before he wrote this story, he didn't know of the Baal Shem Tov. He didn't know of Chesidus. I mean, it was pretty new. No, almost nobody knew of the Baal Shem Tov in the beginning. And then someone told them, oh, you're such a big goin and Tamid Chochem, you should meet the Baal Shem Tov. You'll, you'll love it. You, you'll appreciate it, the depth of his Torah. He's like, I don't need it. I'm a Tamid Chochem. I'm learning Torah. I'm learning Kabbalah, Nigle. I'm fine. I don't need that. I don't need a rabbi to inspire me. It's okay. I, I'm not against I'm not a misnaget, but I don't need to waste the time. Uh, the kids were back and forth until I don't know who it was a friend or something don't remember a Talmud maybe that convinced the Magid to finally go to the Baal Shem Tov and he went already in the middle of the trip he was already regretting because he took longer than expected in his full days without being able to learn Torah properly or, or I don't know if he even you know like traveling through the forests of Russia if he can find a minion for every davening so his Avodah uh, Hashem was like lowered for a couple of days and yet it was like, fine, I'll invest, you know, I need to meet the Baal Shem Tov. They so much speak about him. No, he finally gets to Mezhibuz, the Baal Shem Tov greets him, Shalom Aleichem Aid, oh, and they're like, you have a few minutes, let's walk. Yes, of course, that's what I came for. I want to talk to you. <laughs> I heard so much about you. And the Baal Shem Tov starts telling him all about, he says, that's my horse, that's my other horse. I got two horses, you know, in my carriage, in my agolo. And he's, he's stronger. He's faster, but he has more, you know, he puts up with the weather much better. Oh, by the way, the other time we were traveling and, and I didn't have enough, you know, hay for the horses and, and the trip took longer than expected. And, oh my gosh, it was so hard. The horses were almost dying. This one was doing better. That one already was falling apart and I need, I needed to find food for the poor horse. And as the Baal Shem Tov is speaking, the Maggid is thinking to himself, oh Hashem, please, why did I come? This guy is like, 
cute at best, but whatever, like a simpleton who speaks about horses and trips and whatever. Imagine in modern terms, it would be you go to the Rebbe and he starts talking about the engine of his car and mine is V6 and V, I don't know, V8. I don't even know what that means, like the different types of engines of cars. And, and like, he's like, well, what's happening here? Fine, fine. He's the big rab, I'll listen. So he goes on with this story and then the Goy de Balagola was hungry and he stopped in a town and he, f- he went into a place and he found a Goy who sells bread and he bought bread, regular bread for the Goy, for, for the driver to eat. And, and he's like, you know, I could take some, you know, I could wait longer, but the, my worker needed to eat and it's my responsibility. That was the whole story about speaks with him. Erev Shabbos, the Magid already made up his mind. If it wasn't Shabbos in a couple of hours, he would already have left. That's it, it's over. This is not for me. I call Tob, I don't judge anyone, but I'm leaving. Then on Shabbos, he said, okay, fine. Now, maybe he's just relaxed on Friday. Maybe he's going to say some toilet on Shabbos. And in the Fabrengen on Shabbos, he says, there's eh, a half a word here. They're like a simple, very simple word on the Pasha. Fine. like it, but... Then on during the day, Shabbos during the day, again, a very simple word. And the chassidim, whoa, they're excited and dancing and everything. He's like, okay, you know what? I guess this is for simpler people and they enjoy it and they feel inspired. I appreciate it. I love it. Good for them. I'm out of here. This is not for me. I'm, uh, I'm somewhere else. He's like an intellectual, uh, very knowledgeable of Torah. He can't lower himself to this cute but insufficient way of serving Hashem. He's about to leave, and in the middle of the night, on Moshe Shabbos, um, so he couldn't leave because it was too cloudy, and the Balagola said it's better to wait. And then, by Hatzois, he hears a knock on his door, and it's the Baal Shem Tov Shamesh de Gabe, and says, the Rebbe wants to see you. Me? I told him I'm leaving. I said goodbye. I said, uh, No, but he wants to talk to you. Okay, fine. If he calls me, I'll be respectful. I'll go once again, even though I know I have nothing, you know, to look for in there. Okay, so he goes into Baal Shem Tov's, uh, room and the Baal Shem Tov is sitting there with a Priyetz Chaim, with a Sefer Kabbalah from the, the, the Chaim Vital, the Talmud of the Arizal. Baal Shem Tov looks at the mind and says, hey, do you know how to learn Kabbalah? He's like, yeah. So can you explain to me this paragraph? Um, yeah, I could try. So he sits, he reads it, he learns it for five minutes and then he says, yeah, this is what it says, A, B, C, D. The Baal Shem Tov looks at him with disappointment and says, ah, I thought you knew. I thought you knew how to learn Kabbalah. <laughs> and the Magid is already, okay, wait. Look, I came here to try to hear your great wisdom. And you're not really saying much. And now you ask me this and you say, I don't know. Like, if you have something better to say, like a better chat, please, please enlighten me. Like, I'm waiting for your explanation. <laughs> the Bashem Tosman says, okay, but first try once again. Learn it again. He makes it learn it again. He makes it explain again. And then he's like, no, that's not what it means. Okay, fine. Please tell me. So Hashem Tov sits next to the Maggid, puts his arm around him. And when the Maggid told the story, he said that he, what happened next was so strong that he was sweating so much from the vision he had that even his socks were soaking wet after this experience. The Hashem Tov puts his arm around his, neck, around his uh, shoulder. He hugs him. And he starts reading the Priyat Chaim from inside the Sefer. And at that moment, says the Magid, he was literally seeing with his eyes a literal and tangible vision 
of all the madregas, all the levels, all the godly levels, the names of the malochim, all the kabbalistic things he was reading in there, he was actually seeing it, seeing it in front of his eyes. He was trembling from the vision. He couldn't believe it. And the moment Baal Shem Tov finishes reading and takes his hand off his back, off his uh, shoulder, the vision goes away, Rup, we go back to normal. Then the Magid is like, whoa. Okay, fine, I guess I'm staying. <laughs> so that's how we became a big host of Baal Shem Tov, and then he's Memale Mokoin. But can we analyze, why did the Baal Shem Tov mess around with him so much for a whole 36 hours, making him Meshige? Like, if anyone's going to reveal the secrets of Kabbalah to him and how to, just, how to be able to perceive it deeply and not just uh, read words and translate them, like, why couldn't you give it to him right away? Oh, to humble him down? To, he came like, uh, you know, feeling a big time with Chochem and you're going to show him who's boss? It's not just that. It's also that, because that's a shot of the Pasuk, you see. Don't think that you know it all and you act with chutzpah speaking up in front of Hashem and blah, blah, blah. So be humble. Know your place. You're tiny on earth. Hashem is huge. You know? Know your place. But that wasn't all. That wasn't even the main idea. The main idea is the Ruchnius spirit of the Pasuk, which is that the Magid later writes in this Torah. The Balsemta was showing him that unless you can care deeply and truly and honestly about the horse and have the about the, 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 the guy who's not like you, who's not Jewish and elevated like you. If you can't see the horse, if you can't see your neighbor, if you can't connect to the down here, you won't be able to see the Malochim either. If you don't find the godliness in the togetherness between the locus and world, if you don't find the meaning, the locus, the connection, the greatness of being a simple person, a normal Jew, a human uh, with humane feelings and caring and sensitivity, if you think that being from means to be detached from reality, to not be limited to be so sensitive to regular human things, if you think that you're only up for the big discussions of aloha, but you cannot lower yourself to figure out a way to buy regular bread for a goy or how to, uh, you know, feel the pain of the hunger of a, of a horse, then when you open the book, you'll be just reading words forever and you won't be seeing any malochim. If you want your words to have meaning, if you don't want your words bichlal and of Kabbalah and the meat you eat and the attitudes you have and the things you do with your life, if you don't want them to be separated, and meaningless, then you need to throw down that mechitza between Eloikim Bashomaim and Ato Aloret. Only when, you're, when you feel the togetherness between Elokus and Velt, only then you can be a true Chosid. This is what Chassidus is about. The Baal Shem Tov wasn't messing with him. He was showing him the actual message of Torah Chassidus. Thank you very much for listening. This is a deep concept and it's, it deserves a, a much longer for bringing about it, but for the podcast, we'll leave it at this. And you're all invited to comment and ask. Even if I take a, a few longer days to, to respond eventually, um, I will answer your questions. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll hear each other again next week with session.